Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I'm joined by Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. Tommy Dorian, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> That's that, one of my favorite stories. I know it's a good story. We won't go there. We don't have time for that story today, no. but maybe someday someone will want to know, and they'll email you know us yeah. and find out. Explain that. What is the Tommy Dorian yeah, story? We know it's Tom Dorian, and we're Thank so you. happy that you're here with us. Always good to be here with you, Deacon Jeff. In the luxurious corner booth. It is luxurious. And uh, as I'm looking over my menu here, trying to decide what to eat. Yes. I see. I have a lot to choose from. A plethora. A plethora of things. And again, the key word there is choice. Yes. Right now, if I were to ask you if Catholics were pro-choice, I mean, obviously, your answer would be Absolutely. No. Oh, they are. Well, it depends on what we're choosing. There you go. See, you're a smart guy. That's why you are the co-host. That's there you why go. you are the sidekick. There you, you have go. earned your stripes, buddy. Right. Exactly right. So we are pro-choice in the sense that we think that God gave us free will. Exactly. He wants us to make choices. Wants us to choose him. That's exactly right. We're wired to choose him, but we. Right. He, but for us to have the free choice of choosing him, we also have to have the free choice of not choosing him. Exactly. In fact, he says, uh, I love this quote from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. He says, I call heaven and earth today to witness against you. I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life then that you and your descendants may live. Think I know where we're going. That's right. Well, you know what? We're going to talk about pro-life Catholics. Think of the odds. Right. Exactly right. Well, so we want us. To, we want people to choose life. I love that bumper right. sticker that says yeah. "Choose Life." Yeah, we are pro-choice. We want you to choose life. Got the tag on the on the truck. Exactly right. But you know, there's a challenge we have in our culture, mm-hmm. even in the Catholic Church. Right. Even in the wider Christian Church, mm-hmm. we have a problem. We have an issue. And what I want to talk about, let me just start it and give, a, give you a frame of reference. Okay. I mean, obviously, in, in the United States, we are extremely, extremely familiar with 9-11. You hear 9-11 and you know exactly what you're talking about. Everyone knows that phrase, 9-11. Right? We know what happened on that, on that terrible day in our country. Right? Bad day. It, well, it rocked us to our core. It, it changed did. everything. It did. Right? It changed how we travel. Yep. I mean, just that that basic fundamental, how we go to the airport and all that kind of things, mm-hmm. right? It changed how we view others in the world yeah. in certain parts of the country. Mm-hmm. It changed how we view other religions, yeah. right? It also changed how those other religions and those other people view us. So there's a fundamental difference in how we do things ever since September 11, 2001. You're right. It, it rocked the nation to the core. And in fact, I, re, I still remember on 9-11 that our pastor called an impromptu prayer service. Mm-hmm. And the place was packed. I remember that. We, we didn't know what to do other than pray. We just got together as a people of God and we prayed. And that was beautiful. It was really, really a good thing to do in response to such a, a terrible tragedy. It was. You're right. Right. And even so, we still see every year the anniversary remembered. Right. We, we, with those, those people that died. Yep. Right, there were some. I think total, some about twenty seven hundred people, something like that. Maybe a little, almost. It's under three thousand people, but a lot of people went to work that day thinking everything was going to be an ordinary day, and it wasn't for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And and their life was snuffed out. It was taken away from them. Yep. And it was a tragedy. And and of course the media, um, everybody, all these organizations, everybody has come together and realizes that was a horrible thing, and it is a horrible thing. It is. And you know what's good that remember it. And maybe we're even kind of it's kind of fallen off the. 
the the uh, shelf of awareness, right? We're, we're starting to lose sight of it some to some degree, and, it, and it's kind of the the I don't know us being upset is kind of waning a little bit. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should step it up and remember that terrible tragedy, mm-hmm. you know, again to, to just to give honor to those people that died, but also to to just keep to us aware, us. remind us of what can happen and and what shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Right in the world, and also remind us of our our common brotherhood and sisterhood. That together we are a family of God, and we we come together yeah. in those times of tragedy. But I really want to look not about that event, but I want to look at this. I want to look at the reaction to the event. Okay. Right, the fact that it changed us so much. Okay. Right, this one fateful day, many years ago, mm-hmm. changed our country, and yet, oddly enough, mm-hmm. more than that, people. More than that number of people. Let's say 2,700 people died that day. 3,700 babies die every single day in the United States. Right. That's 1,000 more than 9-11. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't remember 9-11, and I'm not comparing the events, but I am comparing the reaction to the events. Okay. Right? So here's this terrible, this, this great reaction, great in terms of size, right? Very impactful reaction to 9-11, and yet... What happens when, you know, nearly 4,000, 3,700 babies, by most estimations, die every single day? What do you hear? Silence. Exactly. Absolute silence. Mm-hmm. Has it changed any, the way we do things? No. Mm-hmm. Has, it, has it changed our view of other people and people's view of us? I mean, it really hasn't fundamentally changed anything. In fact, it's, it's sort of gone unnoticed, and it's kind of sad, with the exception of, of some rallies and some discussions. And every once in a while in politics, you'll hear somebody speak of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very controversial issue, so people avoid it like the plague. Yeah. Right? We don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And the problem is, it's a huge problem, and it's like, you know, more than a million babies die every year. I mean, the sadness is that 9-11 occurs in America every single day. Mm-hmm. You wake up that day, and another 3,700 babies are going to be dead that day. Mm-hmm. And there's a sadness there. You know, and so, and we, we should actually look and see what the impact is. Okay. I've got some statistics here that I wanted to go through. And, of course, I just mentioned the number of abortions per, per day is roughly 3,700, mm-hmm. right? And then, of course, who's having those abortions? We, we, in our minds, we picture people that don't believe in God. We picture sort of a godless group of people having these abortions. Right. But if we look at the numbers, by the way, these numbers come from the Alan Guttmacher Institute. And also family planning perspectives, and both of these organizations are fervently pro-choice. In other words, they they're not going to they're they're telling it like it is because they okay. want there to be abortions. Okay, they're in favor of abortion essentially and making access to abortion free to everybody and and making it more widespread than it okay. even is today. So they tell us that uh, that women identifying themselves as either Protestant or non-denominational evangelical mm-hmm. is roughly fifty-five percent of all abortions. Wow. More than half abortion. So these are God-fearing people. Yeah. Right? And then, of course, Catholic women, you think, well, that's going to be a really low number because Catholics teach that abortion is wrong. Mm-hmm. And usually is one of the strongest voices out there as a church saying that abortion is wrong. Well, 31%, one-third mm. of all abortions are women that are identifying themselves as Catholic. Mm. Right? And then you think, well, then the, the, the people that wouldn't be doing uh, – that don't go to church, that have no re- religious affiliation, the sort of secularists, those people out there – they're the ones that are going to have the most abortions. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, they, they have a lot of abortions, but it's just 23%. Okay. So the vast majority of abortions, 86% of them are by people that go to church. Wow. Right? And, and the people who have heard that scripture, Deuteronomy 30, 19, yeah. where God has set life and death before them, 
right? He wants us to choose life, and, and unfortunately, we have many people who aren't choosing life. Now, I understand there are people that give different reasons for abortions. There's some other statistics I want to point out. Okay. If you were to guess what, what, what is the thing that people always say, well, we have to have abortion because of this situation. Well, normally the the other side will talk about rape or incest. Rape or incest. That's the one that people right. float out there the most because that is like – it just seems like it's, it would be abhorrent that we'd force a small child, you know, a 12 or 13 or 14 or 15-year-old girl who's had a terrible tragedy. Yeah. You know, like some kind of terrible in, uh, situation in her family or uh, a rape that took, took place or whatever that we would force her to have that child. And yeah. in that case, that would be the exception that would make it legitimate right. to have an abortion, that, that abortion should be out there. That would be the exception people always talk about. Yeah. But in reality, the um, Alan Guttmacher Institute tells us that only 1% of all abortions occur because of rape or incest. Wow. Right? And then the next reason that you always hear is like, well, what about those situations where we know that the baby has got medical problems, the baby's okay. not going to survive, or the baby's going to be severely um, mentally disabled in right. some way, a special needs child? Yeah. Or what about in the situation where the mother, her life is in danger, she's going to uh, have some kind of physical calamity befall her if she gives birth? Yeah. Right? We hear about that. That's the next most, the biggest thing that we'll hear about as, mm-hmm. as the reasons why we should have an abortion. Mm-hmm. And that's only 6%, they tell us. Hmm. So only six, so 7% of the time, there's what we would call reasons, and I'll put quotes around those. Okay. Because even in those situations, the Catholic Church teaches those are not reasons. You know, having a death um, as a result of a, of a bad situation is not going to make that situation better. Right. Right? The answer is not killing the baby. Yep. It's never the answer. Yep. But that's only 7% of the time. Yep. The other 93% of abortions take place for what they call for social reasons. And their website lists things like the child is unwanted or inconvenient or can't be afforded. Right. Right? So you think, wow, okay, so that puts in perspective that most abortions are freely elected because of inconvenience. We don't we don't want this child at this time. Do something for me. What's that? Remind me and our listeners uh, how you're comparing this to 9-11. Well, because you're going to go to a break, and I guarantee you there's somebody out there going, time out, dude. You're way out of line here. Exactly right. No, I want to make sure that you understand that I still have the highest respect and reverence for those people that died on 9-11, that this has right. nothing to do with about, uh, you know, about the, whether our country should come together or not and celebrate or, or remember. I shouldn't say celebrate, but to remember 9-11, remember that occurrence. And we should. We should lay wreaths at tombs. We should build right. monuments. We should come together as a people of God. And we, that's why I think we should even step it up. Yeah. I'm comparing the reaction. The reaction to the number of abortions versus the reaction to the number of... Perspective on numbers. That's exactly... This is right. all about numbers. If right. you look at the number of people that died in 9-11, and that was a, a, a huge reaction in our country, you would think that if it's 365 or 500 times more impactful, like that's many, how many more people die, you'd think the reaction would be 500 times as big. Mm-hmm. Like, this is literally a holocaust. Yeah. And yet it's not. It's silent. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. That's, so that's good. going into this, going into this break, let's think about that. Some heavy thoughts. Very heavy. Right? We're going to come back on the other side and we'll talk more about this and what do we do about it. Okay. What is it we, we're, we as Catholics are going are gonna to do about this? Okay. Not only that, but my non-Catholic listeners, I love you dearly. You know, we all are called together to do something about we this. We are indeed. And we're going to talk about that when we, when we come back. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind everyone about our website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And of course, I want you to email me. Send me an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Gianna Beretta was born in Italy in 1922. Her parents were devout Catholics who taught her to love God and trust in Him alone. She was an excellent student and greatly advanced in her studies. While at school, she spent much of her spare time living out her faith by assisting the poor and the sick and while working with such groups as St. Vincent de Paul. She graduated medical school and became an accomplished physician. In 1955, Gianna married her true love, Pietro Mola, and started a loving Christian home. In the next four years, the Molas were blessed with three beautiful children. Gianna excelled at her God-given ability to balance her life as a wife, a mother, a physician, and as a living witness of Christ's love for all mankind. All was well with Gianna Mola until the fall of 1961. While joyously received, her fourth pregnancy was only in its second month when doctors discovered a cancerous tumor in her uterus. The tumor was growing rapidly and would soon take her life unless immediate action was taken. The doctors insisted on either a radical hysterectomy or an abortion. Gianna made an heroic choice, a choice her family and friends say she prepared for her entire life. Against the recommendations of doctors and enduring great pain, Gianna chose to forego treatment and allow this fragile little life to come to fruition. Even days before the baby's due date, Gianna, weary from the struggle, demanded, If you must choose between me and the child, do not hesitate. Choose the child. I insist upon it. Save the child. On the morning of April 21st, 1962, Gianna Emanuela, a beautiful, healthy baby girl, was born. Just one week later, the 39-year-old Gianna Beretta Mola, a woman who literally gave her all for her child, died. For her life of devotion to her vocation as a wife and mother, for her love of those in need, and for her ultimate gift of herself for the sake of another, she was canonized a saint on May 16, 2004. In his homily on that occasion, John Paul II said of her simple yet heroic life, Through the example of Gianna Beretta Mola, may our age rediscover the pure, chaste, and fruitful beauty of conjugal love, lived as a response to the divine call. St. Gianna truly lived her faith. Her feast day is April 28th. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. I'm Deacon Jeff talking to to Tom Dorian here. And, Tom, we're talking about a pretty serious topic here. It's a difficult Uh, topic. Yeah, it's a difficult topic to talk about. And, you know, especially for Catholics because we're the ones out there waving that banner all the time. The Catholic Church is the one that's always talking about abortion. Now, I will say that we have many of our separated brothers and sisters, many of the Protestant churches, are with us You're right. on this particular issue, and right. we're, we're really happy about that. But, you know, here's the challenge. I'm, I ask people, if, if, if I was to, like, have a church full of people, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. stand up there preaching in front of an entire congregation, and I say, everybody who is pro-life, raise your hand. I think that everybody would raise their hand. Yeah. Right? And if I said, now, keep your hand up. Now, raise, keep your hand raised if you also 
do something about it, you'd see some hands start to drop. Yes. And people would want to know, what do you mean? Do something. What does that mean exactly? Right. Right, yeah, so that's what our, do you mean? That's our choice. What do we do as, as Catholics? What are we supposed to do about it? Okay. We, you know, we, it's one thing to believe. Right. Right? I mean, it's one thing to believe, but it's another thing to live as a Christian. If you right. believe in Jesus, yeah, that's good. Out. I mean, because think about it. I mean, the obvious thing is even, even Satan believes in Jesus. That's true. Right? Yeah. He knows that Jesus is God. Right. He realizes that. He, mm-hmm. he knows that. And, and we as Catholics or we as Christians can know that Jesus is the Savior. Mm-hmm. And yet if we do nothing about it, right, this is that age-old uh, beautiful teaching of, of the Catholics with faith and works. There's, right. there's that element of belief and that faith in God. But there's also you've got to do something about it. Otherwise, it's a dead faith, as St. James says. Yep. Right? And so what we have to do is we have to look at this and say, what are we as Catholics doing about it? Okay. Right. Well, the first thing, the most obvious thing is as a people of God, right? As Christians, we come together and what do we do as a people of God? We, we better pray. be praying. Absolutely. We've we got to pray. Prayer is powerful. You can change all kinds of stuff with prayer. Prayer works, mm-hmm. right? It's great to get an entire congregation, a people of God, an entire church, um, a whole group of people all praying about the same things. You're prayer right. warriors. We see these prayer right. chains right on the internet all the time or in, in email. I'm always getting those emails. and. Because there's power in prayer, and there's power in, in groups of people praying together. You're right. But, you know, the thing is, prayer is not enough. Prayer is good, mm-hmm. but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Do you remember we had, a, we had a priest on here talking about pro-life issues, and he, and he reminded us that, you oh, know, yeah, if the house on fire. That's right. If your house is on fire, <laughs> right, you call down the fire station and say, yeah. my house is on fire. And they we're say, gonna, we're praying we're gonna for pray you. We're going to pray for you. Yeah, we're praying for you. <laughs> well, your house is still going to burn down, but it's, you know what, they're praying for you, which is good. <laughs> Right, which exactly. is good that they pray, but but there's there needs to be some action right. associated with this. So you know the house is still burning, even though we're praying for uh, the an end to abortion, the house is still burning. We've got to do something about it. So what do we do, Deacon Jeff? Well, here's some here's some here's some ideas. First of all, and probably the thing that we can do most that we feel least likely to be empowered to do, but we should do, okay, is talking to folks, okay, opening our mouths and just telling people what we believe. You know, and I'm talking about talking to family. Yep, friends. Right, friends, uh, co-workers. Enemies. Neighbors. Well, enemies is difficult, but yes, we should talk to everybody. <laughs> right. But there are other people. We're talking to human beings. That's one of the gifts that we have as human the, 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 the ability to communicate. Yep. We have that gift that's given to us by God, and we should use it. Yeah. It's called evangelization. Mm-hmm. Right? We're, we're spreading the word of God, and we, so we should, feel, we should talk about it. And you know what? Not only to those people that believe like we do. But also to those people who don't believe like we do, and that's the, there's the the enemies part you were right, mentioning, right? Uh, and not all those people are our enemies. Some of those people are dear loved ones, right? Members of our own family who are fervently pro-choice, who think abortion should be legal, yeah, because they just the light bulb hadn't gone on. They don't see the light. They didn't read and understand fully what's going on in Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. Those are crucial conversations. Absolutely, and we need to have those conversations, and that's something that we can do. We are empowered to do. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how life can change for someone just because of a seed that was planted many years ago by one person talking to them. Now, not in a judgmental, argumentative way. You're not pointing your fingers, and you're not saying you're going to hell if this or that. No, but you have to let them know why you believe what you do. If you speak from a personal perspective, like, this is why I believe this, Mm -hmm. then... They can't argue with you. No. They're not going to argue with what you feel. They may argue with what the church teaches. Yeah. But they're not going to argue with what you feel. They can't. That's your feelings. Those are yours. You own them. Yeah. So you can express those and say, well, this is why I have a problem with it. Yeah. This is why I can't see myself ever doing this. 
This is why I have to speak out against it. And they'll respect that, I think, yeah. especially if it's done with, in a level-headed, non-judgmental way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's not it. It's not just a matter of talking. There's okay. also things we can physically do. We can actually go to, you know, we see these rallies every once in a while. Yeah. Right. We'll see the things like the the, the Respect Life Sunday, where there's a you'll see the life chain on a busy street in uh-huh. our city, people holding signs and a nonviolent, you know, uh, silent sort of presentation of right. of our faith of our belief right. holding signs saying look we, we 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 think abortion is murder and we don't want abortion anymore right and we stand in solidarity as a people of god and let people see us mm-hmm. out there as a people of god that's a good thing to do there's also people have heard about that organization 40 days for life yeah i, I do that you do that it's a it's a wonderful opportunity you can go to uh, 40 days right and you can see i think that's it yeah you can see where you can be in your well, just google 40 days for life right the number 40 exactly. days for life and you will find it in your city and you'll find out that for 40 days they stand in front of a local abortion right clinic. they do it two times a year usually in the fall and usually during Lent. right so it's a campaign where people again we're planting seeds we're not arguing we're not attacking we're not yelling we don't stand there and point fingers. We don't talk to people as they're going in and out. Right. Occasionally a word is spoken to us, but that's okay. Yeah, you're going right? to survive. That's going to that's gonna, that's gonna be okay, but still we're standing there. Exactly. Right, and of course there's also the, the March for Life in Washington. That's another very uh, uh, visual experience of a bunch of people getting together who believe that this should change. And we, and we go to Washington because that's the seat of our government. That's where things can change. We can do things about it. Yeah. By who we elect, by who we put in charge, by letting those people that we do elect know what we feel about these particular issues, especially these important issues like abortion. That is a spectacular sight to behold. Oh, too. absolutely! It's, if it's ever covered by the media, exactly. it's beautiful. You see that there. It's never covered. Oh yeah, lots of people, lots of people there. Three hundred plus thousand folks. Oh yeah, it's a lot, yeah. and it's and it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Now there's also other stuff you can do if you're not into the uh, stand up and rally mentality mm-hmm. you can also support local organizations who are geared toward supporting those who are in need like birthright mm-hmm. birthright is another one of those organizations it's a national organization where you can go there's also another organization that's life choices and there's probably several of them out there where they need volunteers they need money they need people to help uh, do things like uh, put together you know goodie baskets for uh, unwed mothers mm-hmm. and what they do is they help a child a young lady, bring a child into the world. Exactly. Right? Because usually the people that come to them have no means of support. They have no help. They And they think that abortion is their only choice. And these are organizations that are set up to help that process, to help them see the gift of life that it is for what yep. it is. Yep. Right? And then, of course, another thing we can do that I don't want to forget is adoption. And just talk about the beauty and the gift of adoption. So few people want to talk about that because they still realize that they've got to carry that baby to term. Yeah. Right? They're like, I don't know if I want to go through all that process. But i got to tell you, the people that I have experienced on both ends of that spectrum, the people that have, have had the child uh-huh. and then realize that child is being brought up in, in a loving place, it is the answer to their dilemma. Oh, absolutely. It is the answer to that. that they're like, you know, God, why me? Why am I burdened with this child at this time? And God is saying, you know what? This is a gift. And this is a gift for the world. Right, And so then we see that this, this gift then realized from the other perspective, from the couple that is just yearning to have a child. For right. whatever reason, they can't have a child. Right. right. Whether it's a physical reason or whatever, they can't have a child. And so this husband and wife are like, we, we want to have a child. We want to be a family. But we can't. We've, we find out that we're physically incapable of having a child. Yeah. This is a gift for them. Absolutely. This is an opportunity for them to, to bring that child into a loving environment and truly cherish that gift of life. And so then both benefit. 
Yep. Right? The mother of the child and then the new parents of that child. It's a win-win. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just to see adoption and to see that this is like – this is one where people are truly cherishing that gift of life. Yep. But, again, the challenge is to us to do something. Yep. Right? We can sit and – I, and I tell people all the time that, you know, reach down while – you know, this is in church, right? We're sitting there and I said, reach down and uh, reach under your seat. I mean, like the, your actual, your flesh seat, your bottom. <laughs> Reach down there and touch the pew. Is it warm? Yes. If it is warm, then you're not doing what you're supposed to do. We need to, <laughs> we need to get up, we need to get out, and we need to go and do something. At the end of the mass, right there's this dismissal that takes place. Right in the Latin, it's "ite misa est," mm-hmm. right, which essentially just means "go, be sent." Mm-hmm. And, and what's happening is that when the deacon is saying, go, be sent, I mean, he's sending you out to the world. You've just experienced the sacred mysteries at their finest, mm-hmm. right? We've just worshiped God, but we've received God, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And now we've got this grace, and we're now to go to carry that out and do something. Yeah. We're going to evangelize. We, we're a mission church. Our job is to go and to be a mission church to others, right? We're called to do that. And so at the end of the Mass... Ite misa est. In fact, that's what the word mass comes from. Right. By the way, it comes from that word misa. Right. To be sent. To go to mass is to be sent. And so, if your pew is 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 warm, you're still sitting in it. Right. You want that pew to be cold. You want to go and be sent. And we need to go and we need to save babies. We need to let people a, know what our calling in life exactly. is. Exactly. Pretty important mission. Absolutely. You're talking about those kind of numbers. Absolutely. Well, I hope that this has been an eye opener for a lot of folks. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you want to email me and uh, let me know what you think about this, uh, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. I think it's important that we talk about these topics every once in a while. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, so, anyway, I think what we should do is we talked about how important prayer was. Let's close in prayer. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you are the author of all life. You created the world and saw that it was good. Help us to see your gift of life, the gift of each and every child, as the true blessing you intended it to be. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.